ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies podcast. It's your host, Andrew Hall at Andrew Hall FF. Running solo for the moment on the host chair. We'll kind of see what happens and, and see if Scott can join us. He's having some technical issues, but it's all good. We got one of my buddies on the on the podcast with me tonight, Andrew Cooper at Coop A Fiasco. How's it going, Coop? It's going good, man. I mean, you know, we might not have another host, but we got a couple friends. We got a couple of Andrews. I mean, if you're going to be missing the host, is there an easier situation to have than what we got going on here? Not really. No, this is pretty good. Like I said, I've been on I've been on your podcast on the lightning round. Uh, I was a 102 with you guys last year and was in the best ball chat with you guys on that. We had the whole Scott Fishbowl 102 and SFBX. And so, yeah, we, we go way back. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, it should be it should be an easy one. So uh, we'll get into all of like where you at and what can you be found at the end. But I mean, to be honest, we're going to talk about a lot of that today. We got a lot to get into. Uh, I do want to start out with uh, with some of the easy stuff. Obviously, we're, let's get into some of the news. I know that this has kind of been beat to death at some point, and everybody on Twitter has been talking about this. But Travis Etienne injury. I, I, I haven't had a chance to get on a pod and talk about it yet, but that's brutal, man. Like that's not what you want. I, that's uh, a rookie with that kind of draft capital coming in with so much promise and potential. I guess where are your thoughts on it before I get into mine? I mean, what are your thoughts on Etienne and Dynasty? Where are you, are you taking him, or what? What's going on? Right. I'll tell you one thing right now about injuries in general, like because I know sometimes people will this is the craziest thing to me. People will victory lap injuries as in like, oh, I was saying to fade this guy like that's the opposite of what you want. You know what right. I mean? Like if I uh, say I get, tout a guy and I say don't draft this guy, the last thing I want is people to get bailed out because he got hurt. You know what I mean? Like I want everyone to be healthy so we can see how things pan out. You know what I mean? So no one should be happy when anyone gets injured for any reason. That's my yeah. stance on that. I completely uh, agree. And, and you're right about the victory lapping too. I, Man, I, there are times when I'm fading a player and I'm with you. I want him to play badly. I don't yeah. want him to not play. You know what I mean? Like that's not the take I had. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it bails him out sometimes. You know what I mean? But like in general, like we, and you always root for the guy to come back. Cam Akers, you root for him to come back healthy. And you look at the Colts, what they, you know, the Colts basically are invested heavily in this Achilles procedure. That's the new one that's going around, right? Marlon Mack, uh, they had, uh, they have, they drafted Deo Dangbo who had it. They, uh, they uh, picked up Eric Fisher who the chiefs let go after, you know, and you know, I know that he ended up going to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys invested in, uh, you know, Mar um, Malik Hooker, who was a Colts guy who had the same guy, the same person performed the procedure. And I guess that's who came makers. So, you know, uh, you know, it's a tough injury, but with Cam Akers, I'm hoping he comes back well with the, um, you know, with the ETN, that injury is all over the place, right? It's like oh, a million different outcomes. 
right? Yeah. Well, the, the Liz Frank and the surgery and the, like, he's a rookie. And, and so I've we've talked about this in some DMs and, you know, some different threads. And I think the thing that e, with ETN, it's different than Acres for me is that we at least saw Acres. We kind of had an idea of his potential. We don't really have that with ETN. So it's entirely hope. You know, it's an, it lit, like every rookie when they enter the season, you have this high hope that they're going to be great. We didn't see anything with him, which makes that even riskier. And then there's the whole Liz Frank on a, on a foot for a running back that has to plan all the time. There's just so many more questions. So I, I feel terrible for ETN. I, I didn't have him rostered on any teams that I'm aware of. I think there was one best ball team that I had him on, like, you know, nothing major. And so it doesn't affect me at all. And I'm still like crushed for the kid. You know what I mean? Like just that's brutal. So I don't like to see that. But on the other end of the spectrum, we got another a good big trade too, though. And I think this is positive in some regard. Sony Michelle, now a member of the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I, I, we see this, I feel like every year we get a, something like this, right? We get something in the preseason that just sort of shakes the whole world up, at least in fantasy, and lets us talk about different things. But what are your thoughts on Michelle getting traded? Do you think that's a good thing for him? Is it a bad thing for Henderson? Where are you at with that whole comment? Well, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, I just moved into a new place. That's why it looks like kind of like a cracked end back here. The only thing I have, <laughs> the only thing I have up is my basketball hoop. But normally there'd, there'd be pictures of Tom Brady and, and all sorts of stuff here because I am a Patriots fan of heart. And uh, Sony Michelle, you know, going way back, uh, I've said that he's a guy that in a different offense could be better for fancy. Uh, if you look at what the Patriots have done, uh, going back 20 years, no running back on the team has had 200-plus carries and 35-plus receptions. And those aren't particularly high bars for either player, right? So the last two guys to do it were Robert Edwards and Curtis Martin, and that was with Pete Carroll as the coach in the 90s. And basically, you know, every every running back was doing it then, and a lot of running backs are doing it now. I mean, 35-plus catches is not – you know, the only guy that was in the top 10 that was under that was like uh, – the only two were – uh, Chubb and Derrick Henry, you know what I mean? Like 35 catches is it's pretty standard, you know? And uh, so him getting out of that system could be good for his value. All I know is that it fixes problems for both teams, makes things a little more convoluted for Darrell Henderson, but the Patriots kind of had a backlog, uh, you know, on their side anyway. Now it can be pretty clear cut. Damian Harris is a starter. Uh, James White's the third down back. Ramondre Stevenson is the next man up. And maybe, I mean, maybe hearing himself a goal line goal. You know, um, what what do you think about the uh, what do you think about the Rams? How, how are you pegging that as a you know who does? I always consider it five questions. So let me let me ask you these quick five questions. Right, <laughs> who who goes out there on first down? That's the toughest one. I think at this point, at this point, like with what we know in this early season, I think it's still Henderson because he knows the offense better. He knows what people are getting picked up. Okay, so Henderson on first down. Who goes out there on third down? See, I still think that's probably Henderson at this point because, again, I think Michelle's adjusting to the system and all that. But, yeah, week one, I think it's going to be a lot of Henderson. But by week 10, it could be a lot of Michelle. Okay. Now, if there's a pass interference, say they throw the ball downfield to Deshaun Jackson. He gets pass interfered with in the end zone. They can send anybody they want down there to punch the ball in. Who gets that carry? See, now that's where I think it might go Michelle just because Henderson seems a little fragile. But eh, I'll give it to Michelle, sure. Okay. So the, the third question, I'm sorry, the fourth question would be the team is losing by one score and it's a two-minute drill. They've got to send somebody out there for a two-minute drill at the end of the game. Who goes out for that? Again, right now, the one that knows the two-minute drill is Henderson, so I go with him. Henderson. And here's the last one in my – so I call this my RB questionnaire. And actually, on if you go on the FF newsletter where all my rankings and stuff live, 
this is on there. I filled this out for every team. The, the last one is the team is up by, let's say, 18 points, and there's three minutes left, and they just want to run the clock out. Who do they send out for that? I think they do Michelle on that one to see what they got. Exactly. That's yeah. why it's like, you know, when you look at some of these teams, the answer is the same guy for all five. You know that's I mean? who you want, right? That's the ideal situation in fantasy yeah. is you want the guy that's getting every down, every situation. Yep. Exactly. And the thing is, like, sometimes even with guys like uh, Christian McCaffrey, maybe they will, maybe Chuba Hubbard will be the answer to question five. But with James Robinson, he was the answer. They had nobody. He was the answer to all five last year. You know what I mean? And now he might be again. It's like these are the kind of questions that I like to ask myself when I decide, when I'm kind of doing my rankings, is like who's doing what role, who's going to get that, those, uh, you know, the, the high leverage situations, which is question three and four, you know, or yeah. two and two and three. Yeah, no, and you're entirely right. And that's a, that's a good way to kind of break some ties, right? And just like, okay, well, which way does this lean and which way do we go? I do think though that you said it perfectly where this this trade helps both teams. It kind of clears a little bit of both, both backfields because with Henderson, Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, you know, there was always this kind of looming presence. They were going to bring someone else in. So you don't know, like, what do I take any of them? Is it worth it? With, and you said it too with the Patriots, they had five running backs if you count JJ Taylor, who I think now has some value. And so it's like, well, where do we go with all these guys? One of them's got to go. And everybody thought it was going to be Sony. So the fact that Sony Michelle gets traded kind of clears that backfield and adds another running back to the Rams who needed one after the Acres injury. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I think for Dynasty, both of them are kind of avoids for me for right now. Um, I, I don't mind buying or selling in that regard. I don't mind like trading away or anything like that. But it just like I'm not actively pursuing either one of them in a trade. I'm not. I'm I'm okay if I roster them right now, and I don't need to worry about it. If someone offers me something that I feel like is a slam dunk for sure, let's go for it. Like I saw some discussions where it's like Sony Michelle or a second. I'll probably take the second. You know what I mean? Like that. I don't know how long Sony's got anyway. He's not a solid running back, and a second round pick has got some good value as it goes up. So, yeah, I think that both of those guys with with ETN getting hurt and and James Robinson and all that that's going to be an interesting backfield now that was kind of boring in a way before and then of course we've got the Patriots and the Rams that were both kind of question marks that are still question marks but are fun to talk about so yeah I like I like when news happens like that not the injury kind let's put it that way the injury yeah. kind is uh, I don't like it all right so we're going to head into our, our main point of the of the topic tonight which is tight ends right and I know have you ever heard of tight ends Coop do you ever do you talk tight ends at all I don't know if you're ever familiar with them at all no, not really. You know, but I, yeah, I did it when I did a little research before the show, like 15 minutes or so. so good. good. That's nice of you to, to help us I out with that. Yeah, it's that's new to you and all that. Well, no, I mean, the reason I wanted you on tonight was because, and I said this to you, pretty, you know, before the show, and I said it to you in other places, that whenever I think of tight ends, I'm like, well, what does Coop think about that? Like, let's go talk to the tight end whisperer. Let's go see what he has to say about this. So I'm glad you can make it. And I know uh, we've got a lot of different things to get into in our usual stuff, but maybe to start with, I guess, is for the people that aren't familiar with your stuff or that don't follow you or that don't know that all of your work with tight ends, maybe run down your dynasty tight end strategy or just kind of fill us in on where your thoughts are with tight ends. Cause it can be a tricky position if you're not playing it right. So how do you play it? Yeah. So, I mean, just in general, like from my tight end background is that I, you know, I was brought on to fantasy alarm. Uh, Howard Bender was the tight end whisperer, right? I had been right. working on my own tight end things. So when I brought, you know, my strategies to him, we kind of, you know, talked about different things and I kind of took over, you know, he says that I'm the new tight end whisperer, but I say <laughs> that it's a tight end whisperer brotherhood. You know yeah, you can I mean? share that. Right? Yeah. Howard, uh, Howard, for me, Howard will always, be, that's why it's so weird when people call me the tight end whisperer because Howard Bender is the tight end whisperer, you know? Oh, I mean, you can, I think, yeah, what, a, what a great guy to be compared to though. Man, that's what I mean. well I'm, come, I'm coming into the, I'm coming into his shoes and I, so what I do is I write a, uh, a redraft uh, series. That's a four part series the elite, 
who could be elite guys to fade completely. And then my favorite one, the yin yang tight end, which we can get into that, but those are redraft drafts, sure. right? This is a dynasty yeah. podcast. Yeah. I have a very specific philosophy when it comes to dynasty tight ends and it's super easy. The idea is you need to roster talent, but start opportunity. So you want to collect as many of these guys that you believe are truly talented as you can. Get as many of them you can. You know, we'll look at the workout metrics. I don't care if it's Noah Fant or if it's Albert Akwe Boonham. You know, if they run the 40 time, if they can catch the football, you want to collect as many of those guys as you can in the rookie drafts. When it comes to starting your tight end, you need opportunity. You need when you look at the top five tight ends, the guys that have finished top five, right? Going back to uh, 2003, the uh, every tight end since Randy McMichael in 2003 that finished top five in PPR has had either 90 targets or 10 touchdowns, right? And how many guys are you projecting? How many guys are you projecting to get 10 touchdowns, Andrew Hall? Uh, three, <laughs> maybe four if Pitts goes off or Hawk. Yeah, but yeah, not that many. I mean, even like the even Andrews maybe not get 10 this year, right? You never know. The only player to have t- uh, 10 touchdowns in multiple years in recent history is travis kelsey there's right none of the other guys have had you know multiple instances. one year but yeah exactly right so for me i'm not I'm, I'm honestly not even projecting that many guys to to get 10 myself right and most of the guys i'm projecting to get 10 i'm also projecting to get 100 targets you know what i mean so in reality when you're looking for breakout tight ends or you know guys that are entering that window you're looking for those targets right so and on top of that i in you know this is in the first uh article in my series so and it's pinned to my pro my profile on twitter so i'm not going to lay the whole thing out but basically the vast majority of those players have been top two targets on their team the last you know the last one to get uh over 100 targets that wasn't a top two target on his team was martellus bennett in 2014 so we're talking these guys you're looking for a top two target on the team and that's what you want for the window and that's why that's the tough part in dynasty is that you sit there holding Johnu Smith and you're holding Dallas Goddard and you might lose to a guy who's starting Logan Thomas because, you know, he's some he's a top two target on his team. Yeah. Cause he, what he was like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. he's some quarterback they picked up off waivers or, you know, Darren Waller. And it's like, you're hesitant to trade for those guys. But if you're competing right now, you want, you don't want to give up your, you know, your crown jewels, but you need to be looking at those guys and putting them on your roster. So, you know, well, we can, we can get into some of that now, you know, Oh, I'm sure we'll get into it as we talk about these all the way through, because I think that you hit on a bunch of things there that I feel like dynasty managers in general kind of need to hear, right? Where it's like, there are different ways to play this. There are different ideas and different strategies, but tight ends are always kind of a a tricky one, especially for people that are new to dynasty, where they just feel like if it's not the top three, what do I do, right? Um, And we get a lot of people that listen to this podcast and that come on the show and have fans that are redraft. And I think we've always talked about this too. Dynasty becomes redraft when week one kicks off. Right. You have to keep a dynasty mindset and you have to keep looking for trades and ways to advance your value and things like that and predict, playing for the future. But ultimately, this is a game where you want to score points. Right. And the tight end with the opportunity is going to do that. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. And I think your philosophy, uh, which is similar to mine, my philosophy is pretty much always just put talent on your roster. And that's where I stop. Like just just kind of find talent. You know what I mean? Starting opportunity is terrific. And that's a good thing I should add to my strategy. But the, the point is we want to look for people that are talented because talent cream rises to the top, right? And I think that's what we're gonna see in the tight end world more than anywhere else because there's so little cream. 
there's so few tight ends that you really feel like confident in week in and week out. So I guess uh, before we get into the ADP stuff, one other thing I definitely wanted to talk to you about being the, you know, one of the tight end whisperers, I won't say you're the only one, but I mean, how do you handle things in, in standard versus tight end premium? And for those people that are unfamiliar, tight end premium leagues are ones that give a, a premium scoring or an extra point PPR in some cases. Most cases, it's either a half or 0.75 or a full point to make the tight end PPR worth two points per catch. Uh, how do you handle those tight ends? Or what do you do differently, I guess, in tight end premium leagues that you don't do in standard or, or non-tight end premium leagues? For me, what I, you know, what I do is, you know, it's and it's so hard giving advice to the, to the masses in this way because, you know, with every different league it's set up differently so what you need to do is look at your player pool and the biggest thing to think about is the flex position right because everyone's going to have one tight end position for the most part right so you need to think about who's going to qualify as a guy that can start at the flex in in anything right so in standard you know sometimes like for the tight end position itself, now you can rely on more touchdown dependent guys, but everyone knows that, right? When you get into into premium, you need to think about who's going to qualify for my flex, and if a tight end is is you know a guy that is valuable at the flex. Because if you think about the way tight end premium works, a guy like Evan Ingram, for instance, in a regular one draft league, he was tight end like sixteen or so, right? But in a tight end premium league. If you think about a guy who has had the fourth most uh, receptions of any tight end, he had the, I'm sorry, the fourth most targets of any tight end, fifth most receptions, eighth most yards. He didn't have the touchdowns, but in that, in those formats, he actually was fairly consistent, right? So in tight end premium, I'm thinking heavily about targets and in tight end in standard, which I don't usually, I don't really play. I mean, if you're in that, I guess you can, you know, still go for the touchdown dependent guys, but you just have to remember that it's still going to be very boom or bust, you know? So, yeah. you know, for me, I'm still in both formats for the most part, I'm still relying on targets because that's why well, I, I think I want a difference maker. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the, the difference that I always say is uh, going from non PPR to PPR is the same leap as going PPR to tight end premium for tight ends, right? You kind of have to bump everyone up that catches more often or the people that are getting more targets tend to be a little bit better values or better plays, I guess is a better way to put it. They, they tend to be people you want more on your roster. And that goes doubly well for tight ends that are getting that kind of opportunity because they're getting twice the points. Um, I know that there is a there's a school of thought too that you know you don't want to flex a tight end. And tight end premium, I think you do, right? Because like, that's where it kind of makes a difference because those players are becoming, potentially anyway, your top 20 scorers could be three tight ends, four tight ends, right? I mean, you're getting a bunch of guys up there. It's not like your, your flex then could be a lot more options. So yeah, and I think tight end premium is something we're starting to see a lot more in Dynasty. I know I'm in a couple different tight end premium leagues, all sorts of different premiums. Um, but the one that I don't like is the two tight end. I'm in a couple two tight end leagues. Even there's not a lot of premiums. There's point per first down and all these other things. But two tight ends just it kind of flattens the curve too far. Where then it's almost like just putting anybody in your second tight end slot can win you the week. And I don't know. I just not the way I like to play it. I'm, you know, I'm not here to shame anyone's scoring system. You do what you got to do, make yourself happy. But it's not the kind of thing that brings joy to my life, right? I'd much rather have it be a two tight end premium instead of a two tight end league, right? And then that's where the difference I think comes in. But no, and I think again, we're going to get into a bunch of these different tight ends and kind of give different values. But the first thing I want to get into is uh, in, in regard to tight end, something we do on every every one of our shows where we're getting into the different you know position groups as we're reviewing these leading up to the season. We're going to look at the August ADP per DLF. We're going to go with the top 12. These are tight end ones in Dynasty right now. 
And we're going to try to see if we can predict what the future holds, right? We're going to try to see if we can look at what these guys are going to do in the next year. So first, I'm going to read off these 12. We've got, obviously, Kelsey at number one. Not a shocker there. But Pitts is already number two in Dynasty. That, to me, is a little crazy. We'll get into that. Three is Kittle. Four, Waller. Five, Hawkinson. Six, Andrews. Pretty chalk so far. Seven, Fant. Eight, Goddard. Nine, Logan Thomas. Ten, Gesicki. 11, Irv Smith, and 12, Evan Ingram. So there are some names in that back half that I feel like got shuffled up and got a little mixed up. So I feel like DLF ADP per August is, is very current at this point. We're you know still in August right now. So I guess the first question, of course, is who do you think in the top 12 that I just listed will not be there this time next year? So for me personally, um, and who's that? so for me personally, this might come to sh- as a shocker to people because I did have um, Logan Thomas as a uh, as a guy that you potentially would want to get if he's cheap enough in redraft. Uh, but for me, what the uh, Washington football team is doing is they've decided that what they have isn't enough, right? Right. And when you talk about dynasty, the golden goose, of course, is Travis Kelsey, right? And you think about what that team's done the last couple of years, they just want to maintain the offense they have. Like they drafted Tyre, they had Tyreek Hill. When Tyreek Hill was going through the whole issues with his, you know, his son and uh, you know, the voicemail, they drafted Michael Hardman, you know, as Tyreek Hill insurance. Beyond that, they've basically just tried to maintain what they have, which that's that is exactly what you want for dynasty you know what i mean well especially if it's a good tight end right i mean this is a stud tight end and they're not changing anything heck yeah sign me up exactly so the last thing you want to see is them to have terry mclaurin and logan thomas as the top two targets and then they say and then the coach goes and gets a player that used to play for him and bring him and brings him over in curtis samuel and you know to me you don't you know when you're the when you're the coach not the gm you, you have to convince the GM, the GM's got to talk to the owner. And, you know, there's a lot riding on that. You know what I mean? Like you're bringing this guy over, he's got to perform. So you're going to put that guy in position to perform because you don't want to look stupid. You don't want the GM to look stupid. So, you know, for me like that, it puts Logan Thomas in a tough spot. I know if you could check out my, um, the yin yang, the fourth, uh, article in my series like i sing his praises in that he plays slot he doesn't even play you know tight end which is amazing you know they basically run four wide receiver sets i think he's going to be productive this year but think about it you know he seems like a new thing to us but he's already 28 years old you know um it's for me i think that Pete when when the dust settles after this year and he's a back end tight end one in redraft and everyone sees his age and they see what's going on with the team He's not going to be a guy that's drafted in the top 10. I think people are going to come ahead of him, you know, not that he's going to be a bad pick or he's a bad asset, but that, that's a guy that I think, you know, when all is said and done, when you're 29 years old, you're not going uh, in the top 10 usually of uh, ADP, you know? Well, yeah. And it's not even the, the, the talent, it's the opportunity that changed, right. To kind of hit on what you were saying before, the talent is still there. And I think 29 is not old for a tight end, right? I mean, Kelsey's older than that and doing a better job, but it's the opportunity and you hit the nail on the head. The opportunity has changed. Right. And I think he is probably a top 10 tight end this year. And, and another one that I and we'll kind of get into this, maybe or we can talk about it. But Robert Tanyan's one of those guys, too. The opportunity was crazy last year. He actually didn't get that many opportunities in general and wasn't a second option on his team. But what opportunities he got, he did a lot with and he got a lot of red zone targets. He had well, I think it was 11 touchdowns or something like that on 53 catches, if I recall. I mean, that's just that's insane. You don't see that kind of production. 
And so people are obviously drafting Tanyan as if that's a normal case and that's going to happen again. And that's fine if you think that, but I do not. I, he's one of those guys that makes me real worried, especially in Dynasty, because who knows where that team is going to be in a year. We talked about it last week with Nick Whalen, where Rodgers could be out of there. He could be, you know, hosting Jeopardy or something by this time next year. We don't know. And that makes me worried for that whole team, Aaron Jones included, right? Like that whole team is just nervous to me. But I, I love that take on Logan Thomas. And he's somebody that I've got on, I think I've got him rostered on a couple different teams. And I've tried to move him, but it feels like the offers I'm getting are just not quite there. And I was like, eh, I'll hold and wait till he starts producing. And then somebody who needs a tight end or somebody gets hurt, maybe they'll trade for him and, and willing to offer a, a, a little bit of a bonus. But my guy, I think, is in a similar boat, and it's Evan Ingram. Obviously, it's easiest to pick the guy at 12 to drop out, right? It's only one spot you got to lose. But Evan Ingram has just been all over the map in Dynasty. And it's somebody that I, I have actually been, been grabbing Evan Ingram in a bunch of drafts and a bunch of different trades and things like that because he's so cheap. And like everybody's just willing to – you know, give up nothing. They're like, here, take Evan Ingram. I'll take a third. It's like, okay. You know, you're like, why not? Even in tight end premium, I think I got him for a second or something last year, at the beginning of the year. But Evan Ingram is one of those guys that he, he is so hit or miss. And I mean, quite literally, he might miss the ball so often that even the opportunity doesn't matter. And that team went out and did just like what you said. They went out and got Galladay. They're bringing back Barkley. I mean, that team is, is not building around Ingram from any stretch that I can see. They went and got Kyle Rudolph. They actually got another tight end. I mean, how often do you see that happen where the guy that they replaced is now the guy? Man, I don't see it. So yeah, Ingram's a guy that I think is a definite baller. I'll tell you, I got a I'm I'm an Ingram guy. Like I've been for a while. I think you I think you know at, yep. at this point. But you know, I think that there's an outside chance that Ingram, you know, overperforms this year. The thing about Ingram is that if there's gonna be if he if he underperforms this year, then they're not bringing him back. Right. Right. So I think that at that point he will fall out of the top twelve, and you know there'll there'll be a window to grab him just to see what team get picks him up. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know Gasecki's another one where he's a free agent next year. They brought you know they tried Chan Gailey, who's the big slot guy. You know they tried that didn't work. So now they bring in they assign Adam Sheen at Hunter Long. He's probably going to go somewhere else too. These athletic guys, you know, uh, Ingram's built more like. Uh, Demarius Thomas than he is like a regular tight end. Sure. Um, he's uh, Ingram 6'3", 234, ran, ran a 4'4", Demarius Thomas is 6'3", 229, ran a 4'4", So they're like, you know, almost identical in that yep. sense. Yeah. So the reason that I'm still on Ingram for this year is that I could paint myself a narrative that works like this, where you have Kenny Galladay as a top receiver. You have Kyle Rudolph as the inline tight end in the Goddard or uh, Nick Boyle type role. And then you have Ingram now freed up to play a Mark Andrews or Zach Ertz role. And when you think about 2019 Ravens, Nick Boyle played 769 snaps hmm. and Mark Andrews only played 457. But Mark Andrews was, Boyle was the inline blocker. Andrews was basically just coming in, playing every pass snap, free to run around. He caught 10 touchdowns. He was the tight end five. And it's like, in the modern era of the tight end where it's a tight end room, you don't necessarily have to be a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey playing every snap as long as you're playing the important snaps and you're a focal point of the offense. Obviously, the floor could fall out very quickly if the top two targets on the team are Galladay and Barkley or Galladay and Sterling Shepard. But you know, as long as you can paint yourself that narrative of this guy's a top two target or when you look at the seven teams that did have – uh, three guys get 100 plus targets. Three of them had a running back in the mix. Christian McCaffrey. It was a uh, you know the the 
Panthers with McCaffrey in 2019, the um, the Giants with Barkley in 2018, and last year uh, JD McKissick in the mix. So for me, as long as I can kind of figure out a way to make it happen in my mind, then I can go for it. Whereas a guy like you were talking about, like you know, we might mention a uh, you know a guy like Tyler Higby, where you know, they signed. Oh, he's coming up. He's coming. I know I want to talk to you about Higby. I want to talk because I know you have an opinion. We've talked about it a little bit on Twitterverse. So I, I want okay. to get into that. But okay. I do want to just, I want to finish with this. And I think you, you hit on this before we leave the fallers section. I do want to say this too, that you were talking about Logan Thomas. I'm talking about Evan Ingram. Those are both guys like Gusecki that go out and slot, right? They're guys that are not generally inline tight end kind of players. And those are usually the guys that I like in Dynasty. So it's odd that I, I don't think they're going to be in the top 12. But at the same time, part of that is just, it's, it's, team opportunity it just i don't know how else to word it it's just the team doesn't seem to love them as much as i do and so i don't mind going out there and getting them for on the cheap i know gasicki especially is, is one guy that i'm starting to target more this year because they added so many offensive weapons to that that team and there's no guarantee that he's going to stay after this year i think it's this year is his last year and they can pick up his fifth right is it something like that or you know they could sign him yeah there's no fifth option right he was a, so angram this is angram's fifth year uh, right. Guess like he was a second round pick. So no. Right. That's what I was trying to remember that. But the point is the same. Like he, we don't know where he's going to be. And right. so Ingram is one of those guys that I, I'm targeting because I I don't know if he's going to be great this year. Gasicki's one of those guys. I'm like I don't know, but I'm willing to try. Like right. I definitely think there's there's enough value there. But on the other end of the spectrum, and and I do think this should pivot perfectly because who's not in the top 12 that I think will be there. And I put Tyler Higby. And I know you have an article that said Tyler Higby's going to suck this year. And it's largely because he's not the top two target on his team. And I get the logic, but I'm also looking at it like he might be the top two, or even then, like you said, there's three good targets that are all getting a hundred targets. So I guess I'm thinking Higby is going to be in there before I plead my case. I would love for you to explain why I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you should go first, buddy. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll start. I'll start. I don't have nearly the backup for this, but where I'm going with this and what I've actually, I've talked about this in, in multiple different places, but Higby two years ago kind of broke out and was on the scene and everybody in dynasty started going gaga over the kid. Uh, he did really well with Everett out. And then last year, Everett came back and they had, they ran that two tight end set and they pretty much split targets pretty evenly, right? Everett was in, I think one fewer game, but they both got it between 60 and 70 targets. So neither one of them was really stupendous, right? They both kind of kill each other's upside. And obviously you've got Jared Goff throwing the ball. So who knows what that team is like? And that's what makes me nervous about Hawk. Not that we're getting into that. But this year they bring in Matt Stafford, right? They upgrade the quarterback position. So Higby's never played with a quarterback like that. That to me is a bonus. That, and, and Stafford has no problem passing to tight ends. Uh, he can launch it, but he also is smart and knows when to dump it off. And then you get Everett leaving and they don't really replace it. I mean, Jacob Harris kind of. Right. You've got some other and I know you've talked about Jacob Harris, too, as a Rams tight end that Yahoo is not adding for some reason. But point is, there is some value in Higby, I think, because with Everett gone, not to say that Higby earns all 60 of, of Everett's targets and he's now a 100 target machine. But now there's fewer competition and a better offense. It's a bigger portion of a bigger pie. So to me, that feels like something that is going to is, is ascending. Right. I'm not even going to say that he's he's going to be a top five. Anyone in the top 12 in the tight end landscape, we just listed Evan Ingram and Herb Smith in the top 12. Both of those have a ton of question marks and a ton of variability. Why not Tyler Higby as a top 12? I'm not saying he's a top three. I'm saying top 12. And at that bottom end of that 12, I think it's very likely that Higby ends up there at the end of the season. And by August of next year, everybody's drafting him like, well, hey, he's better than it. He's better than Ingram. He's better than Herb Smith. He's a top 12 tight end. So Hit me with it. Why am I wrong? Why is he not a top 12 tight end? Honestly, man, you make a lot of good points. 
So let me. Perfect. Go. You can stop right there. We're just going to cut it. That's terrific. No, I'm just and kidding. that's a show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go by. Let's go. Let's let's go through a few of them. Uh, one, Jacob Harris. Um, me and my minions from Twitter and Reddit actually <laughs> were able. Check my time. You got out. it done. Okay. We got it done. We were able to successfully petition Yahoo to get not only him but Juwan Johnson. Uh, oh. Now, they're That's no, huge. They're no dual wide receiver tight end eligible. That's uh, huge. Yeah, yeah. So that we were super annoying and I'm proud of us. Uh, <laughs> one of the dudes, it's so funny. One of the dudes that was like part of it was responding to me, got, got blocked by the NFL.com fantasy. <laughs> what? You just kept tagging him, dude. They were just like, you know, That's I'm done. too good. But they finally responded to him and said that they're going to add tight end eligibility and as they should because these are tight ends. So, yeah. You know, that's one that's one aspect. And I feel like people are focusing too much a lot of the times on the wrong aspects. Like Bryson Hopkins and Jacob Harris could replace Gerald Everett. So that's one thing that is a could. But that's honestly, to me, that's the least of my worries, right? Because you talk about what Sean McVay wants to do and what the way he uses the tight ends is very similar to the way Adam Gase uses the tight end. Oh, Adam, Adam Gase has a tight end block on you know one of every four or five pass plays, and mm-hmm. he did it with Mike. He did it with Mike Gesicki. Mike Gesicki blocked on seventeen percent of his snaps uh, under under um, Adam Gase, and then when Brian Flores came in, he blocked on under two percent of the snaps. Right. So when I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's a problem. Well, here's the thing about that: not only did Tyler Higby block on twenty one percent of his snaps, pass snaps. But Gerald Everett blocked on 17% of his pass snaps. It's the yep. same offensive philosophy. So it's not like there's a new role. It's not like Higby's moving over into the Gerald Everett role. Correct. Like Gerald Everett was also blocking on a bunch of pass snaps. And this Correct. is what we thought with Adam Trotman. We can get into this later. But we well, thought we Adam Trotman was moving into the Jared Cook role. It doesn't seem to be the case. But anyway, yep. take the five-game stretch in 2019 when Tyler Higby went off. The Tyler – so, okay – I'm, which side should I go from? We'll start with the defenses. The Cardinals were the worst defense in the league versus the tight end, yeah. right? They played the Cardinals. All five of them, I think, were in the bottom 10 or something like that, right? The like they, It was a cakewalk. Yeah. Was four, four or five of them were in the bottom five. So yeah. Cardinals were bottom five. So Cardinals were the worst. The Seahawks were the second worst. The Cowboys were the third worst. The fourth team they played was San Francisco, who was missing, missing Jaquiski Tart, which is the guy they used to cover tight ends. And the fifth team was the Cardinals again, who were the worst. Right. Right. You know, and during that span, I isolated those five games. Tyler Higby still blocked on twenty percent of his pass snaps. And you look at the one game that uh, Gerald Everett missed last year. Tyler Higby blocked on twenty nine percent of his pass snaps. And why does that matter? You go back to uh, two. You go back through the last seven years. Only one player has finished top five in fantasy blocking on over 15%. That was George Kittle in 2019, hmm. 15.9%. The last player to do it before that was uh, Orange Julius, Julius Thomas, under Adam Gase, on the Broncos. Oh, wow. And you know what happened? Uh, Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdowns. So he right. didn't even really have that great of a season. He just scored 13 touchdowns or something like that. It was like – the exact and not it's like the whole thing comes full circle with the idea of you want these guys out running routes. I mean, look at Chris Herndon. He blocked on 20 uh 20% of his pass snaps. He was 107 routes he could have run. Tyler Higby last year, even missing a game, played the eighth most snaps of any tight end 
eighth most of any tight end, missing a game, and he had 93 routes he should have been running but didn't. That's what that's the number one thing that concerns me. And that all that, right? All of that, even if that changes, he's not a top three target on the team. Well, okay. So I, I do I agree with what you're saying, and I'm not gonna say any of what you said is wrong. It's not, and it's well researched and well thought out. I guess what I'm looking at is yes, he might be the third target on that team, and yes, he might block for 30% of his snaps. But I do think that blocking is not necessarily a bad thing for a tight end. And I, I understand that 30 is a little high, right? We'd much rather it be in the 10 to 15% range because you yeah, want him out the running routes. I agree. Probably 20%. He won't even be 30. Be 30. I'm just I'm just saying worst case scenario, right? Like at least he's in there on a lot of they're gonna have him run more plays this year, I think, than they did last year. Right. There there weren't as many opportunities for him with Everett being somewhat of an equal. It was almost like that Spider-Man meme where the two are looking at each other, are you the tight end? Like it's the same thing. You know what I mean? And so now with one of them gone, I do think it opens up a lot of opportunity. And again, we don't know what that team's gonna look like with Stafford. It's entirely possible that that it's like a three-headed monster like the Bengals or the uh, the Cowboys are running, where it's like you've just got so many talented options that all of them kind of rise to the top, right? And so I'm not saying that Cooper Cup or Robert Woods are going to have bad years. I think they're both in line for, for top 24 receiver seasons. But they could both get 100 targets, and Higby could be right there behind him in third and still have 103 targets, uh, 78 catches, and eight touchdowns. And I'm entirely happy with that as tight end 12. It doesn't take much to be tight end 12. Right. So that's kind of where I come back to is we're not asking a lot here. The difference between tight end 10 and tight end 16 last year and half PPR, how many points do you think it was? I'm guessing in per game or total? Just total. Total, probably like 10 points. It was 10. Yeah. That's, I, had, I feel like I've looked that up too because it was one of those things that cracked me up because that's why I'm using this as my argument. If you had said top five tight ends, Higby is not in that top five. There's but, no way. But it's okay. So say Tyler Higby finishes as the third target on the team. And he's tight end 10 next year in fantasy. Why in the world in Dynasty are we drafting a 29-year-old tight end who was a non-factor in fantasy football? I mean, we if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, if you're tight end in 10 or 12 league, league team league where every team starts one tight end, which is most teams, mm-hmm. most leagues, if your tight end is not five or six, then you're starting a below average tight end. And in Dynasty, we're talking about a very top-heavy format. So mm-hmm. I just can't picture myself in a startup being like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to draft a starting tight end. You know, I'm going to pick Tyler Higby within the top 10. Like something needs to happen for him to, you know, get, get in. I mean, it would just need to be a crazy consolidated target share. And let me ask you, Andrew Hall, in your opinion right now, Who's a, who's better at catching footballs, Tyler Higby or Deshaun Jackson? Catching footballs probably Deshaun Jackson, but who's know. better at staying on the field, right? Like I, there, there's so many narratives you can craft for that. And I'm, got- again, I'm, I'm not arguing too much here because I see your point, but at the same time, not everybody can have a top six tight end, right? Like you have, there are going to be teams, and I've I've got rosters where I, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to get a top six tight end. Those guys aren't getting pride from their cold, dead hands, right? So I'm fine to take a guy like Higby, who I think is an ascending talent, only for the sake of if I trade, let's say, and and this is kind of where dynasty play and game theory can come into play and valuation and and portfolio, as Scott always says, right? Looking at the valuations of this, if Higby, let's say he's tight end 17 or something right now, and he rises to tight end 10, that's a valuation increase of seven ranks, right? That's not seven units, but seven ranks up the board. I can then trade him for tight end 11, who I think might be ascending at the time too. Maybe that's Kasicki. 
right? And so that's where you can use it as a leapfrog position. And I think sometimes people want to look at this as, and, and I can't even tell you how many times I've heard this in trade talks. Oh man, I'm going to have him for the next 10 years. No, you're not. No one does that. So I'm looking at this as a transactional move to get me closer to the top. If I'm contending, I'm probably not contending with Higby, but I can't contend in every single team. That's almost impossible. It's just, it's, it's a one out of 12. You know what I mean? Like you have to have some teams that are rebuilding, retooling, what have you. Teams that have had injuries like Akers or ETN that have now changed their entire outlook on the season. And for those teams, it's like, well, give me the upside shot. Give me the guy that, that might blow up. And then by week four is a top six tight end for the rest of the season. And he's got a lot of hype on his name. And I can trade him for somebody like an injured Waller. You know what I mean? Like that happens all the time. And that's what I'm looking at here is that the value increase is worth more than the finish. Does that make sense? Right. But Len, this is the one point. The one part of that that I disagree with is, is that I, the one thing I, so I do agree that not everyone can have a top six tight end because there's only good. Cause that's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, every, like I, I personally think when I look at the way I, my philosophy, a good chunk of people can have a player that does have the opportunity to finish top six. We're talking well, here, actually, let's let's use this as a pivot. Who is not in the top 12 right now that you think will be in the top 12 a year from now? It's not Higby. Who do you have is your answer for that? So mine isn't based on them having top five or six upside this year. Maybe That's fine. I'm just using it as a way to kind of get to that because I do want to talk about that too. They, they loosely do, yeah. So, I mean, for me, I think, well, just real quick before we get into that, if we're talking about top five upsides and I say, you got to be a top two target on your team. Who are some players, name some players that you think name some players that you think right now are the number one target on their team at tight end. Well, obviously Kelsey, I think Kittle's probably still a top one tight end. I mean, I would argue Hawkinson right now, just because of the way that team is built. I'm not sure there's a lot of other talent that, that can steal it from him. Waller, to be honest, I think is still a top tight end talent. Andrews, you could argue, but they've added some talent and Marquise Brown might step up. I, I, that's kind of where I really stop. Those are the five I give it. At Pitts, I do not think is. I okay, think right, Pitts right. is not the top. But let me let me pivot. Let me pivot the question. Who can be a top two? Who has a path to the top? Who do you think is the top two target on their team? Very likely, Pitts. Pitts is probably a top two on that team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. Goddard is not right. I don't think that's even. I mean, even if the Eagles do something, if they keep Ertz, I have a hard time believing Goddard's going to be the guy we all want him to but, be. But Ertz is still there. But it's, it's possible. possible. It's you're right. You're right. It's possible because they don't have a stud tight, a stud wide receiver group we'll, at all. We'll put it this way. Uh, let's put it in the context of Higby. Ver, Higby outright getting more targets than Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Or, or is it more likely that Goddard is a set top two target on the team? I think Goddard. Well, again, if you're saying, yeah, if you're saying Higby's going to get the most targets, or you're saying one or the other to be the number two, right? So Higby's going to be the number two in his team, or is Goddard going to be? Okay, so here's where the, this is where it gets it gets murky because I agree with your point that it is probably more likely that Goddard gets the second spot. However, that offense may only pass the ball 450 times. Right. Like that, that may be a low passing volume offense with Miles Sanders. You got you drafted Kenneth Gainwell. Right. The Eagles are looking at a, a potential for a ton of rushing this year. Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts. Right. They may not need to throw the ball very often. And on the other hand, L.A. might throw the ball 600 times. I'd much rather have like a, a bigger percentage of a bigger pie. Like I said before. Yes, mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's negligible, though. It's negligible. So for me, I'll take the volume and the potential upside, I think, is about the same. Running is the luxury of the winning team. 
the, the Eagles are not slated to win a lot of games. I mean, you know, and they don't right. have a great receiving group. So it really doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, they got Devontae Smith, right? And he's yeah, a rookie. He's he's the thin reaper, right? Like all this other stuff. Like all this. He, I'm not yeah. sure. Jalen Rager. I don't know. J.J. Ortega Whiteside. I don't think he's there anymore. Quez Watkins now wide receiver one. Like that, that offense worries me for a number of reasons. And I don't think that I want to be a part of an offense. that's a bottom five offense. And that's what I feel like they're going to okay. be this year. So move on from Goddard. I mean, what about, what about, for instance, the, why, why can't Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith lead the Patriots in targets? Like why because Nelson they... Aguilar is going to need to lead the team. Okay. Why can't they or be Jacoby second? Myers or James White? There's so many more options, and I don't think either one of those guys is going to get the ball as much as everybody wants him to. I, I just I, don't think it's going to happen. I think you'll. I think you might be surprised. I think you I might, might be surprised. I think I that. Know. I think it's in my. If I had to pick one guy to get more targets, I would pick both Hunter Henry and John Smith over Tyler Higby. So you're thinking that both those guys are going to get more targets than Higby by theory by himself? I think that. If I'm drafting, I'm taking either one of them first. I don't know if both of them will get more targets, but I mean, Tyler Higby. You're playing the odds. You're like you when you play the odds with Tyler Higby, you need to predict that Sean McVay changes the way he uses the tight end position entirely, right? Because I, mean, I don't know if that's true. Because honestly, like, even if you look at the, the targets that both tight ends got, there were over 120 targets that they got last year. So he doesn't mind passing to the tight end spot. It wasn't like he disagrees with the tight end position. Tyler, Higby, like, Tyler Higby wasn't coming out of the game. He played eight, He played over 800 snaps. Correct. They were they were alternating sides a lot. It wasn't that Tyler Higby wasn't on the field. He wasn't getting a target. He ran around or he did, did a block. That was all he ever did. I get that. What I'm saying is now you've got guys like Jacob Harris to take the blocking side and let Higby be the guy that runs around more. It's very possible. I, you can create a narrative, so can I. Like, why can't I? It's the That's same fair. thing. I'm making, I'm making up a story. Come on. And not to mention, I, I'll give you this. Johnny Munt, Johnny Munt is a very good blocking tight end, so they could use more Johnny Munt. You know, yep. and I just that. think that that offense is, is just different. It's very different than a lot of these other offenses. And they wanted Stafford. They traded what I think is actually a pretty fair amount of, of stuff to get Stafford. Now, mm -hmm. granted, they don't like their draft picks. It's like they, you know, have an argument with them and they just don't want to be in the same room as any of their draft picks for some reason. But at the same time, they, they were with Goff and they hated it. You could just tell all last season it was just oh, stubborn toes everywhere. I think this offense takes a major leap forward. And I'd much rather have the top tight end option, maybe not the top target, but the top tight end option on a team that's potentially top five or top 10 in passing over either of the tight end options on a team like the Patriots, which may not be passing that much either. So I'm just, I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm not going to argue and say you're wrong. I'm just saying I'd rather have it the other way. I'm just saying, man, like we're not talking about like not every tight end is created equally in terms Correct. of, yep. you know what I mean? Like that's, that's my concern is that Tyler Higby is, he's not athletic at all. We agree there that he's not an athlete. I'm not going to agree with that. Come on. They're all athletic. This is ridiculous. They're tight ends in the NFL. Who, who's Dude, not athletic? Tyler, in the NFL? Tyler, Hig, Tyler Higby runs like a four, a four, eight and change. And John Smith runs like a four, six. Like he would dust, he would dust him. I mean, it's. Yeah. If you just if let you him look in the, the open, it doesn't average, happen. If you look at the average depth of target, you look at the the yards after the catch, like it's not even close with some of these guys. Like Higby does need a massive number of targets or a massive number of touchdowns. Like he's, you know, like Zach Ertz has always been a guy that needs the targets. Like we, like Higby, he, it's not this well-oiled machine where you can, you know, he's going to break. Higby's not going to break off a 60-yard touchdown. You know what I mean? He, no, I agree with that. He doesn't have a single play over 40 yards. If that's your argument, then yes, I will agree with that. But I still think he's athletic, but maybe not speedster. He's not the the uh, the kind of guy that you're looking for, perhaps, which is fine. And then you know that's the one of the other things we say a lot of this podcast. No wrong way to play it. Just play it to have fun. And I just think the upside of Higby is something I don't mind attaching myself to. It's not a lot of risk. He's a low, low, low cost kind of tight end. 
Okay. And so at that point, why not? Let's take a risk and see if he rises. But again, we've gone on this on this tangent pretty long. Yeah. Let's, Who is let's your agree, guy? Agree to disagree. Let's agree to disagree. Yeah. Love it. Who is your guy that you think is going to rise into the top twelve? That's not there this year. So I think that you know when it comes down to, and this this is a contingent on after free agency um, and after the draft, is that I think that Cole Komet is going to be a guy that people are going to start moving into their top 12 in terms of uh, in terms of dynasty, the same way that we saw like Noah Fant and these younger guys kind of move up in that when you look at what Matt Nagy wants to do, he's been trying to replicate that offense from the chiefs. You know, he has, he, you know, traded away Jordan Howard because he can't catch brought in a running back that can, he, you know, has um, he brought in Allen Robinson to play the big split end role. He tried out, um, he tried out, with, he tried out Gabriel uh, Taylor Gabriel, who didn't work out, and then now he has Darnell Mooney in that speedy flanker role. And Darnell Mooney is kind of almost as fast as Tyreek Hill, so he can play that role. What he's been working on is the tight end role that plays a ton of slot. We watched Jimmy Graham start in it last year, but halfway through the year, Cole Komet came in, and essentially in the beginning of the year, Jimmy Graham was playing 20 snaps at the slot. Cole Komet was playing four. That's the first eight games. Over the last eight games, uh, it actually flipped. Cole Komet was playing. 14 snaps at the slot. Jimmy Graham is playing like six, right? I don't think that this year necessarily that Cole Komet is a guy that is top five or even top 10 potentially. But when Jimmy Graham is gone and the dust settles and people look at this offense run by Matt Nagy, hopefully with Justin Fields, and you have Allen Robinson, you have Darnell Mooney, who's a good player, but he's probably more of a field stretcher. And even if he's really good, it's hard to give those guys a ton of targets, you know? I think people are going to look at Cole Komet as a young ascending guy who's playing a ton of slot, and it's going to be a guy that they're going to say, "Let me take a shot in this young guy," you know. And you see it with you're seeing it right now with Irv Smith, right? Irv Smith isn't the top two target on the team, but you know the idea is Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen is descending. You know, he's going to be 31. Eventually, hopefully, will be a window where Irv Smith is the second target on the team, which. It could even happen now, you know, but that's why he's there. Cole Komet is a guy where I think people are going to look at it soon and say, okay, Nagy, if, you know, if Nagy loses his job, all bets are off. But, you know, well, that's what I was just going to bring up. Like Nagy may not be there. If he really mucks this up in the first few weeks with the Justin Fields transition, I could see, I used to live in Chicago. I have a lot of friends that are Bears fans and they're already on the edge of their seat and it's August, right? Like there's already a lot of people just waiting for Nagy to fail. Uh, signing Dalton, I think, was an interesting move, and at the time it made sense. But then to draft Fields, it was kind of like, oh, okay, well now it's Fields instead of Dalton. And then to kind of stick with Dalton out of pride or, or some sort of sense of letting the, let the young kid figure it out, and, and maybe it's—I've said this word—maybe it's because it's the Rams and Aaron Donald just going to sack whoever it is anyway. Like all of this, but if Nagy messes this up, it, it could be another transition. Which I—I I like Cole Komet. Don't get me wrong, and I do think. The numbers last year were very indicative. Like you just said, he was taking that job. He was he was earning those that those targets. He was earning that role. But I just worry if a coaching change happens, he might be on the outside looking in. I'm just not sure if he's a dominant enough player at that position for the new coach to kind of build around. And, and maybe you know more than I do, but I, that that's what makes me nervous about Komet more than anything. Here's my thought process on that: is that if Nagy is gone, and I know it's a nightmare because you roll the dice on a new offense, and maybe they turn him into inline tight end. Uh, if Nagy's gone, Allen Robinson's also gone. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way they retain him. Uh, you know, they have him on a one-year 
uh, it's a franchise tag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my thought process on buying now is that if Nagy stays, that's the best case scenario. If Nagy leaves, Allen Robbins is gone too. You know, so unless the new coach, the new GM and coach doesn't want to clean house, which is very rare, then, you know, I think that it could be a situation like we see with Hawkinson where the, the, the Lions clearly are running the same rebuild as the, the Dolphins. They tra- they fired the coach. Trying to, yeah. Yeah, trying to, yeah. They trade fired the coach, traded, traded the quarterback for picks, you know, let all the vets leave for comp picks. They have the most dead cap in the league. They have the least active spending. Like, that's what they're doing. And that's where you get this ghost ship where Hawkinson can now be the captain of it, right? <laughs> well it's put, like, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's manning this ship? What the heck? It's Hawkinson. It's Captain Hawk. Let's go. Exactly, Captain Hawk. <laughs> well, if, if that happens and, and, you know, they're paying eight, Allen Robinson 18 mil this year. Allen Robinson wants to get paid. You know, it could be a situation where, um, you know, Komet ends up being the ghost ship captain on the Bears. So, Okay. I think there okay. is a there's a backsided coin to it, but you're right. If Nagy goes, then I doubt he'll be going top top twelve. But you know, he's just a young, talented player, and we've seen him play well when he does get that slot role. You know, and we we always say, you know, if the coach leaves and there's all, but then we see the coach stay for three years, and it's like every year, it's like why isn't he gone yet? So it's hard to really predict that. So I don't like using that as a real reason. It's almost like that's eh, just one of the many narrative threads I can create where it's like makes me nervous. You know, In dynasty though, man. It's like right. dynasty. This is so. That's why Dynasty is the best, man, because it's like in redraft, you're playing checkers, dude. And in this, we're staring into the matrix of like infinite, you know, infinite possibilities and numbers. And you got to that's why Kelsey that just it all comes back to Kelsey, where the team you want the team to say, this is the top target on our team, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill is our, you know, he plays his flank of role. And we don't care what happens with anyone else because we just want to maintain that. You know, and, and it works. That's why for me with the Patriots, when I see them go out and get two tight ends and say, we want to do this, this is what we want to do. You know, it, that intrigues me, you know, and again, I'm an upside. I always think from a redraft perspective of, I just care. Once the top guys are gone, I care about upside and that's it. You know, like I want a top six guy. If I don't get one, I'm going to kick and scream and scratch at the waivers until I get one, you know, and that's, that's basically how the yin yang tight end and, that goes and you know that's that's why i think we disagree we differ on these things because some people will say i just want the tight end eight and i'll win with my wide receivers and running backs right yeah that's not quite what i mean right especially in dynasty i want the tight end eight so i can trade him for the ascending tight end seven so i can get into that five right that you're exactly right that's the differentiator i can't tell you how many teams i won with last year because of the tight end because you're just so much, you're just blowing the other teams out of the water when you got a guy like Waller or Kittle and things like that. You're not doing that when you got Higby or Komet, either one of them, right? But again, I'm looking at both of these guys, and you're not, I totally agree with Komet as an ascending talent. And I do think he's someone that I could see in the top 12 if things fall the right way. And you put it perfectly at the beginning of your entire our thesis there was this is after free agency in the draft. Like if right. he clears right. those hurdles, then I think we're in, and I think I'm with you. I'm with you. I think if he clears that, which I don't see them not doing that, they've got bigger fish to fry on that team. And I, I just coaching isn't one of the things they have to fix. But if, if let's say they go 10 and seven this year and Fields wins eight of the 10 games. Right. And he's their guy. Well, maybe they keep Nagy and everything just keeps kind of trudging along. They get rid of Dalton because they don't need him anymore and commits the guy next year. And he and Fields bond and it just blows up. He could be that guy. I'm with you. That upside is there. Right. So I, I want to there was another uh, another injury we didn't talk about earlier that kind of dovetails perfectly into your yin yang philosophy. Uh, and it's something that I think you mentioned his name also with the uh, mentioning Juwan Johnson, but 
we definitely we got to talk about Adam Troutman. If we're talking tight ends, we're talking dynasty. There is some news this week that Adam Troutman got hurt. It's not fatal. It's not super serious, but it's serious enough that makes I think a lot of dynasty managers out there are kind of like, what do I do with Troutman now? So I definitely before we move into find me a trade, I got to talk to you about this and and kind of maybe bring it bring it home with the uh, the recent article I know you just came out with about Troutman and, and Juwan Johnson. So kind of fill us in. What are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, well, I mean, you and I, we do things the same way. We're we're scientists, right? We're not. We don't get take lock. We don't do gut feeling type stuff. I don't mind being wrong if there's a reason for it. Exactly, yeah. and that's yep. that. Like you, I mean, I was 100 on the Troutman train. Uh, you know, my hypothesis was that Jared Cook is gone. Jared Cook actually surprisingly played when healthy, played an excellent role for for fantasy. He was the he was top four and he was top three in all these categories. He was top three in snaps played out wide. He was top three in snaps played in the slot. So snaps played all the way out wide. He was second only to Kelsey lining up at wide receiver, right? He was top three in uh, least amount of pass blocking. So he was top. Well, actually he was top two in that. He only pass blocked on four snaps all last season. And <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. So Mark Andrews was the only one better. He also passed blocked on four snaps, but he just played more snaps. So the percentage, you know. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy who had a good role. It was just that with Kamara and Michael Thomas both getting over 100 targets and Emmanuel Sanders there, um, you know, it, there just wasn't enough targets for him to, you know, he scored a lot of touchdowns, not enough targets. So with Trot, the idea was Trotman would move into that role, right? And I was all gung-ho, I was all for it. The first preseason game came, came and Adam Trotman played nine pass plays, pass blocked on three of them, which immediately I was like, what, what is that, right? Then I look at it and see that Juwan Johnson played 25 pass plays, and or sorry, he played 25 plays, 22 were pass plays, and uh, on 21 of those, he ran routes. So we're talking a guy that well, you know, was 100% out there running routes, playing slot, like he was the guy. So, you know, that that right there, I was like, okay, I got to see one more game. So I I tweeted out, I put an embargo on drafting Adam Trotman. I said, no more drafting Adam Trotman until we look at this, right? Next game comes out. I'm not even worried about the injury to Trotman, not at all. What I'm worried about was the seven snaps he played, four of them were pass plays, he blocked on two. For those keeping track at home, in 23 snaps in the preseason, he pass blocked on five. 38% pass block, but forget the percentages. It's such a small sample size. Five pass blocking snaps when Jared Cook only pass blocked on four snaps the entire previous season. That, to me, right there says wow. something is wrong. And then when you when you look at how they're using Juwan Johnson, he's a converted wide receiver just like Darren Waller. He's play, you know, playing the slot, playing split out wide. And, you know, I looked at some of the interviews with this guy. The funny part is that he said that Jared Cook used to joke with him. He would, So Juwan Johnson would be with, with the wide receivers. Jared Cook would say, yo, dude, you should be over here with us. Hmm. Same, right? Come play tight end. So he's like, he's like, it all starts at a joke sometimes. But he's like, I bulked up and went over. Kind of funny to think that Jared Cook is now gone. And maybe that little joke of his might have been part of the reason why they, they could have been thinking in the back of their minds. We'll let this guy mm. go with Joe Lombardi to the Chargers. You know, I think a bigger part of it was Joe Lombardi probably wanted to take him right. along with him, but 
it's interesting to think that like Jared Cook was like, you should play tight end. Next thing you know, Jared Cook isn't with the team anymore. He's being replaced by him. Yeah, yeah. in a way. Right. Well, I mean, that's actually maybe where we can we can finish this is where are you taking Jawan Johnson right now? Like, is he really somebody that you think is going to be a difference maker this year? I know that the Saints have a lot of question marks, but is he going to like replace or supplant Troutman? Is this injury enough to make you think maybe I got to go Jawan instead? Is he somebody we're taking a flyer on? I guess, what are your thoughts on Jawan Johnson? In redraft, I'm not taking Troutman anymore. I'm taking Jawan Johnson as the last pick. In dynasty, if possible, if I am a Troutman owner, if possible, I'm getting rid of somebody from my bench and, and hopefully, uh, adding Juwan Johnson so I have them both, right? That would be the ideal thing because you can wait and see what happens. So, you know, I mean, if there is an outside chance, this is just a big elaborate smokescreen by Sean Payton and Troutman's the guy, I mean, you know what? I would be happy to be wrong because that would be funny as hell, right? Like if he just like tri- basically was like, I'm going to use this guy in this role and trick everybody and then game one, Adam Troutman's going to be, you know, running routes all over the field, killing everybody. I mean, it's like, Kudos to him. He tricked all of us. But it, well, it just it, I, I think the trick is going to be a little better than that. I think what he's going to do, and I've said this before, and I almost don't want to speak it into existence because it's just so ludicrous, is that you get Jameis starting at quarterback and Taysom Hill starting at tight end. Exactly. And I know that that's not, not what people want to hear and all that, but it is very possible. It's not likely. I'm saying it's a non-zero chance that Taysom Hill this is a backup quarterback that plays tight end. He's good at tight end. He's not great. He's good at tight end. He's good at quarterback. So then you can have a bunch of different huddles where it's like he's not the quarterback, so we're fine. And then all of a sudden you run Jameis out wide, and now he's playing quarterback and your defense isn't ready. There's a whole bunch of gimmicky crap that Peyton can do with Taysom Hill. That's why he loves the kid. That's why he's paying him, what, $140 million or whatever, some crazy contract which doesn't exist. right? So that's why I think that there is a whole bunch of question marks on that team, but I just was curious if Jawan Johnson's worth it. You're saying he is. All right, all right. When, when you peel away the parts of that contract, he still he still is getting $8 million. So, I mean, they're going to find well, something I know. to take from him. He's still getting something, which is actually yeah. substantial enough. I so, agree. No, and I, I think that's, yeah. that's crazy. And that's why, to me, like, I, so I talked about this in one of my articles, my bench article, the idea of scratch tickets versus lottery tickets, where I think Juwan Johnson is a scratch ticket. Within the first c- couple weeks, we'll know what his usage is like. And in redraft especially, it's good to have these players because mm-hmm. you draft them at the end of your draft. You see what they look like. If they're good – Great, you got him. I mean, Darren Waller was a scratch ticket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you drafted him late. If he if he panned out, great. If not, you drop him because you need waiver guys anyway. You mm-hmm. need guys to drop in dynasty and in redraft. So that's why a good mix on your bench of lottery tickets versus scratch tickets. Adam Trotman to me is still a lottery ticket, even if he doesn't um, fire, because we've seen guys like Delaney Walker took seven years behind Vernon Davis, uh, seven years for him to break out, and then he was awesome. And you know. Dallas Goddard, Johnny Smith. These you if you believe if you did your research on Adam Trotman, which this is a dynasty podcast, you know, you're looking at his we did our research, yeah. <laughs> you look at the stats from you look at the stats from Dayton, right? You know what I mean? Like you looked at all his comps and everything, and you like him. You know, that's why you have him. Don't give up if you can, give up somebody else and and pick them both up. And then hey, if it turns out that Adam Trotman is Josh Hill. Then you drop Adam Trotman. See you later. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of my best dynasty picks I ever made in a startup was I picked Ty Johnson. And then I, you know, because I had, Ty, sorry, I picked Ty Montgomery. Because oh, I, drafted, I drafted Ty Montgomery in like the fifth round. I added Aaron Jones like 10 rounds later as like some offshoot handcuff. Didn't even know if it was going to be him or Jamal Williams. That turned out to be one of my best picks ever as a kind of combo hedge. 
So if you take Trotman and Juwan Johnson, I mean, I guess Taysom Hill could come and ruin that party, but you're giving yourself the best odds at getting the guy in the Jared Cook role. And with Michael Thomas out, right, and Emmanuel Sanders gone, that's one of the few spots where the tight end could kind of pick that up. You know, Darren Darren Waller was never supposed to be the top target on the Raiders, but, you know, Antonio Brown froze his feet off and called the coach, called the GM a cracker. You know, it's like things change like that. Well, and you just, you hit on a wave earlier, but it's all still true. He could be the top target getter, right? I mean, like Trotman could be the guy. We don't know. Like there's so much confusion on that offense. It's not like Thomas is there. It's not like they've got a whole plethora of wide receivers. We've got everybody adding Marcus Calloway and uh, Traquan Smith and all these other names that I'm just like terrified to put in my lineup, right? I'd much rather put Adam Troutman in my lineup because I feel like at least he's got a little more stability and he could easily be a top two target on that offense. And that offense is going to move, right? Every offense is going to have something. So I, he's he's probably similar to me, like a Goddard or something like that, where it's like he's got that upside of a top six, seven, eight kind of tight end, which again, we were just saying kind of want, but you're not, it's not totally desirable. But as someone who's costing very little in the dynasty world, like Adam Troutman's value is probably not going to be much lower than it is right now, right? That injury really scared some people. And I think there are definitely some managers out there willing to get rid of him for maybe less than they would have a week ago. So that's always why I say timing is everything and trading is part of this game. And so if you could, you know, buy low, sell high kind of a thing on these assets in a sense, that's not a bad deal. So I think if you if you've got Troutman on your roster, definitely hold. If you don't, maybe worth looking at it. You never know. And before we go, I do want to talk about this because we had a comment a while back. Actually, Nick Orlando came in the comments. It's kind of hard to see with everybody here, but it's looking forward to playing the tight end game this year. I know you are, or at least were, big on Henry Ingram as a yin yang. Uh, in a 12-man, one QB, two running back, two receiver, flex, tight end, defense kicker with six bench. Do you think it's worth the Henry Juwan as the yin yang? What do you yeah, think so about that? I like I like Nick Orlando here. So I, Nick, I imagine you're probably a guy from from Reddit or <laughs> or you've been following closely on Twitter because uh, that's kind of a in my articles I say go yin yang, but Henry Ingram, that's a yang yang. Oh, he's yeah, say, yeah, 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 yeah. Yang, he yang, says yang, yang yang. Yeah, sorry, I might have said yin yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. It, yeah. He says a yang yang. Yeah. All right, Nick Orlando, if you're still listening, man, that that's my my Yang Yang gang there. That going <laughs> going risky, risky double risky, risk, double risky. Yep. Yeah, I'm yep. still going Henry Ingram. I would I would prefer Henry Ingram to Henry Juwan. But anytime you're playing the Yin Yang gang, or especially the Yang Yang gang, is you got to have a whole queue full of guys ready to go. And I'm gonna be, you know, I wouldn't tell people to follow this strategy if I wasn't gonna be right there with you. I'm doing, I have a ton of these leagues. I'm going to be tweeting out right after week one. Last year, I said Logan Thomas was the guy that I wanted to add, even over my boy Jimmy Graham, just because the numbers are the numbers. But mm-hmm. I'll be there telling you, you know, what, you know, what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, keep, put them in your queue, but keep Henry and Ingram and just keep an eye on Juwan. You know, I know it's in a league like that with six benches. It, you can't, honestly, man, if you, if it really comes down to it, Drop your kicker and just hold them for one week. Are you going to drop yeah. your kicker? I think, yeah, I mean, none of them. Uh, we'll have to look at the schedule and see who plays at 1 o'clock. If you're on Yahoo, you can drop your kicker and see one, maybe see one of them play at 1 o'clock and drop them. I mean, it's that's cutting mm. real close. This is this is next-level strategy type stuff. But Well, um, we're getting deep on that. I don't mind that at all. But I I, I, meant, I did mean to say yang-yang because I remember thinking that was a funny twist on that because, again, it is extra risky. Now, there's no there's no wrong way, like we keep saying. Right. Sometimes that is the fun way to do this. And I actually have a couple of different teams where I'm all risk. 
Like, just give me every possible variance on my on my roster, and let's see what happens. Because it's like I'd ra really rather be last than sixth. You know what I mean? Like, give me all of the risk. Let's see how it goes. So I, I wanted to make sure we mentioned that before we wrapped up tight ends. Uh, we do want to get into find me a trade next, but is there anything else related to tight ends that you feel like we haven't covered or any players that you want to get in, you know, a couple quick words or bites about here before we move on? Yeah, I will say one thing that I just wanted to follow up on the Tyler Haby thing. And I told um, somebody this earlier today in that if if you did already draft Tyler Higby, then keep him and play the yin-yang tight end game. So if you're in redraft or or dynasty, if you have Tyler Higby, he's probably a safe guy to start. You can start him as a yin in the yin-yang, right? So start him, but also try and get upside onto your roster. That's my – like, don't just, like, drop – you know, if you already drafted him, then what – I don't – it's not that I don't like the player. It's I don't like the ADP, right? So if you already have him, then, you know, start him week one, but but go after these Juwan Johnsons. Aggressively pursue with one of your bench spots. I know bench spots are – so valuable. premium, yeah. You know, but but if you did a draft and you took Tyler Higby as your first tight end, you drafted probably five wide receivers and five running backs already anyway. So, or you, you know, might have a guy in your bench like a like Michael P. Ryan or like one of you know like some one of those guys. You're like, I'll take a flyer over there. No, no, no. This is a better flyer. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. So and, so yeah, I'm not anti. Like I just don't like his ADP. But if you have him already, you know, start him as a safe guy and then go yin yang. You know. Yeah. As soon as you draft him, ADP goes out the window anyway, right? He's on yeah. your team now. No, no, it doesn't matter. So one, one last question just snuck in under the wire regarding tight ends. It's from Matthew Loth. Put it on the screen here. It's, is Juwan worth trying to trade for in Dynasty? He's already got Fant, Ingram, and Komet. Would you try to trade for Juwan at this point? I know I I know I wouldn't. I think now yeah. is the wrong time to try to acquire him. But what are your thoughts? I think that, you know, if somebody else picked him up, they're already, they're already kind of high on him. If you can... I mean, if you're one of the best teams in your league and you can give up a third rounder, which is basically waivers, you know what I mean? Like if you're a three-round draft and you you think you're going to be a top two or three team, maybe give up a third rounder since, you know, that pick doesn't matter. But I wouldn't give away any any uh, known capital right now because we he's an unknown. You know, it's like – so we've seen this before where, like, guys flash in preseason, everyone goes crazy. Uh, Michael Warren. Remember the oh, yeah. back, Michael Warren? Yeah, I mean, like everyone's going. Oh, my Bearcats, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, and he ended up getting cut. You know, it's like yeah. sometimes. I was, actually, I was just going to say, like, target if you have somebody on your team, like JV and Hawkins, who just signed, right? Target someone on your team that you think might have upside to the other guy, right? If they're weak at running back and, and uh, Sony Michelle just got traded, see if you can send JJ Taylor for Juwan, right? Start with some of those things where, or like Xavier Jones and try to like sell it in the sense of like, He's still the third option. They're like somebody on your bench, I'm sure, has a little bit of hype, and that's all you're trading. It's not real value; it's fake. It's it's hype value. But you might be able to trade hype for hype and get you on if you really want him. And I think with your tight end group of already having Fant, Ingram, and Komet, I don't think you need to overpay for it. And any, I, I agree. I don't think you need to go reaching for it. But I don't mind trying, right? Like let's send out an offer. Let's see if a third will get it done. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had that accepted, and I definitely can't tell you how many times I've had that declined. Where it's like, hell no. I'm like, all right, it was worth a try. All right, so before we uh, before we go further on this, I do want to make sure that we, we reiterate where you write for. I don't want to leave this segment until we get this because you have a great series on Fantasy Alarm. Uh, I know you mentioned before, I think it's your pinned tweet, right, where you have a lot of this stuff. If people want to hear more about tight ends, where can they hear more from you? Yeah, yeah. So all my stuff's on Fantasy Alarm. If you go to my my Twitter, at Coupe Fiasco, it's on the screen here. Uh, my pinned tweet is the tight end series, the four-part series. And at the bot, that's the so that's the first article in the series. At the bottom of each article is the link to the next one. So you Perfect. can triggers right through. I mean, some of these are I work my ass off in these. So some of these are like you do. five thousand words. You might need to. It's like a book, man. So you might need to break it up. But 
Uh, if you go to my profile and you click the little at link there, that brings you all my features. So I Perfect. think if you, if you click that, it'll be, you know, the, the top one is the article just specifically on Trotman and Juwan Johnson. Then there's the bench strategies, all those things. So that's the easiest way to find my stuff. Uh, if you want my rankings, then subscribe to the FF newsletter, Patreon. It's all on there. You get to join our discord. We're chatting it up every day. So, uh, you know, just, that's a little something. If you really want, if you like the philosophy, you really want all in, then that that's where you can hang out with us. Like for real hangout. Yeah. And I think it's, it's definitely worth mentioning here before we get to the end. I just want to make sure that people know how to find you. Cause I know tight ends are something that we get a lot of questions about. They're, they're very confusing. And I feel like you're, you're, at least more tuned in and have more of an insight than a lot of people out there. So I do appreciate you giving us some of your time there, but let's finish this up. Let's get to the part that I think is one of the best things that we do is, is literally we do care about your fantasy team over here at the dynasty junkies. All right. And we're going to move into the find me a trade segment. So this one was one of a, I think actually two rosters submitted by Josh, Mr. Underscore Joshua R at FF mercenary on Twitter. Uh, I'll pull the roster up here in a little bit, but it's a 36 team. So three copy league, which is just bonkers already. And I love it because it offers so many more variables for trading. Uh, it's super flex with five points per passing TD, which I think is a nice little twist to kind of hedge that middle. Uh, it is PPR with a 1.5 tight end premium. That was the main reason I picked this. It was definitely tight end premium, at least some sort, which is I know we wanted to talk about. Uh, there are only 24 man rosters though, which I think is a pretty short roster for a dynasty team. Five taxi and you start 10. It's QB, running back, receiver, tight end. So one of each, a super flex and five flex. So it's one of those where you, you can have a lot more flexibility than your standard league. You don't have to start three running backs or three receivers or any. It's one of each and then a bunch of flex, which means, like we were saying before, the potential for tight end starting in a 1.5 tight end premium does seem to be a thing. So uh, we'll pull this up here real quick. I'll kind of run through the team first. Let me pull that up first here. That'll be easier. Let's do this one. This is so cool that you guys do this, man. I was looking at this dude's 30. I was looking at I looked at every, all 36 of these rosters, and I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, first of all, what you guys do with the you know helping people find trades and stuff, this is hilarious and awesome. And this dude's league, 36 man three copy league, is also awesome. So yeah, this is a terrific I, league. This I is awesome. This. Yeah, you, this you is. Said, you said to me, don't spend an hour on this, and I definitely did. Well, the only reason I said that is because I, I know you think like I do and you're like, well, I can find a better one, right? Like, oh, let me keep looking. And it's like, well, no, hang on. We wanted the idea behind this is not to actually find a trade. It's to come up with some basic concepts and theories of how we like to build trades or what we like to look for. Um, so I'll run through the roster real quick. It is again, it is super flex. So quarterbacks matter. Uh, and again, 20, he's got 25 players who so he's going to have to cut somebody, I'm sure. And he's got one player on IR, but quarterbacks, he's got Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, Tua Tagovailoa. Zach Wilson and Jameis Winston, or Jameis Winston, as my buddy Nate Polbok says, which I think is terrific. Uh, running backs, he's got Dalvin Cook, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Zach Moss, Rashad Penny, and James Robinson, who just saw a huge uptick, terrific value holding on to Robinson. Receiver, he's got Marcus Callaway, we talked about him, Quintez Cephas, Stefan Diggs, Christian Kirk, Darnell Mooney, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Michael Pittman, Hunter Renfro, LaVisca Chenault, and Mike Williams. Pretty it's pretty solid, but not terrific. You got the one stud and digs. And then you got tight ends. You got Noah Fant, Jacob Harris, Henry, or sorry, Hunter Henry, and Robert Tunyon. Uh, on the bench and, and taxis and all that stuff, we won't bother getting into it. He does have CeeDee Lamb and injured reserve. Obviously, that'll be coming off there once he's off of COVID. So he's got a better, you know, right receiver two or right receiver one, I guess, how you want to word it with digs. But 
That's the team we're looking at, all right? And so before we get too nuts on this, and you kind of already said it, what are your thoughts on this team? Do you think this team is a contender? Is it a pretender? Is it a rebuild? Where are you at in general after you looked at all the teams? Yeah, I mean, looking at all the teams, and I think the big part is that he told us that he already – I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give these. Well, no, I'll, I'll get – yeah, maybe I'll just get in because I think that is worth doing before we go right. too far. I right. think th this is a big part of the way yeah. I looked at everything is that he kind of already gave us a little bit here. Yeah, you know? so, so Josh, I, I didn't say it, but his team is the Angel City Titans. It's a console league, so it's a video game-based league, which is just awesome. But we, I asked him for a little bit of feedback before we went in here. I was like, hey, just you know, where, is you, where do you think your team's at? Where, where do you think it's going? Here's what he said. He said, I've decided to make some moves and acquired three firsts, probably middle of the pack, but lacking top running backs. I would agree. Top running back is Cook, looking to move him, knowing I'm in the middle because I reacquired my first. And that's always something I think gets overlooked. If you have your own first, then tanking isn't the worst idea. Um, but he does say, he goes on to say, hoping to be more competitive going into 2022. This is my second year in the league, and he took this over as an orphan. So, like we were kind of saying just in a second ago, where do you think this team stands? Would you agree with his assessment that he's, he's just kind of missing one or two pieces and needs to blow it up, or where are you at? I think that's the big point is that his in his position, you probably should go that direction. You know what I mean? Uh, blow it up. I'm sure they have rules against, um, you know, purposely starting bad lineups or whatever, so he's going to have to start digs. You can't trade digs right now. I mean, right. I guess you really could. If you really wanted to, you could blow it up and trade Dalvin and digs, but I think digs going to be good for a long time. Um, the the one thing that sticks out to me in this paragraph that I love, reacquired my first. Right. That means that there's wheeling and dealing in this league. That means this is an active league. That's exactly what I was going to say too. This league doesn't mind making trades. They don't. They see values. It's 36 teams, so that usually ups your chances too because you get three copies of players. So if you want Pat Mahomes, it's not just one guy. You have two other options. So that's always a good thing to look at for sure. So, so yeah, go, in, go into your trade though. I mean, get, get, kind of keep going with this with your thoughts and then maybe right. yeah, give so us your like, thoughts on that, where that, you would go. It does go right into my thoughts. So, I mean, I'm hearing that and I'm thinking, okay, we're, we're, so you're trying to, uh, you're trying to go young. You're trying to, uh, kind of sell off some pieces. So let's, let's look for the, the big sharks, the big dads that are going all in right now. And the guys that, you know, I'm, I'm personally a guy that always loves to go all in. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm usually my startups are, I'm drafting the old guys. I'm doing all that. So I look at some of these teams and the one that jumped off the page to me, was uh this guy here uh, and it's a video game themed league so final fantasy z and i looked at this guy's roster and i'm like this guy is trying to win right now he in fact needs to his three quarterbacks are tom brady aaron Rodgers, and matt ryan right right off the bat i'm like boom those i mean he needs to win right now he's got zeke who's 26 right so zeke is the guy that if you're all in right now that's the exact player you want who could be top five, he's probably going to finish top 10, but he's also 26 years old, right? I mean, that's exactly what Delvin Chubb is. He's 26 years old. He's never played a full season. Uh, you know, the wheels do – I mean, some guys can play longer, but the wheels do fall off at that point. Like, if you turn to this guy, right, he's got – and if you're tanking, I mean, the league might be pissed at you for doing this trade, <laughs> but if you're, if you're tanking, you don't care who wins. You know what I mean? No. You care about coming in last. And you got your own first. So tanking is an entirely valid argument here. I, I always say to people, I, when people ask, like, should I rebuild? And I, the first thing is, do you still have your own first? Because if you don't, there's no point in tanking. Like, you're not helping anyone but the other team. You might as well win. Because then that yeah. pick is worse. You might have a better chance. So, yeah, just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. I just want to make sure I reiterate that. Oh, for sure, yeah. And if you look at the format, right, the specific format says you start one QB, one wide receiver, one tight end, super flex, and then there are five flexes. 
So you can start whoever the hell you want, really. Mm -hmm. So this kid, if you were to trade him Dalvin, right, you could sell this kid on, okay, you have Brady, Rodgers, and Ryan. Your quarterback and super flex spot is done, right? Let's say you start Zeke every week in your RB spot. You could be starting Chubb, David Montgomery, and now Dalvin Cook every single week. Like, you're going to steamroll. He's got. Hey, don't Mike forget, Evans. he's still got Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup. Like, he's got right. stud receivers. Tyler Boyd, I think, is going underrated. Like, he's got 12 to 13 starters if he gets Cook. Yeah. And he could start all those guys because you start exactly. one wide receiver, you start all the flexes. So, mm-hmm. I would turn that guy. And first, I would sell him. I would say, okay, you know what? Uh, Robert Tonian, he's not going to be part of my rebuild. I could sell him to you. You have good pairing with Aaron Rodgers. His, his tight ends are Dan Arnold, Jared Cook. Blake Jarwin, Irvin Smith. So in that kid's mind, Robert Tonyan could be his best tight end right away. You know, so mm-hmm. that's such an easy sell. I would make sure Dar- uh, D- Robert Tonyan's in the trade. He's 28 years old. This is tight end premium, but he only got 59 targets, like we talked about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't. He's not part of the people that benefit from the tight end premium. So I would throw Tonyan in there. I would try and sell him Dalvin Cook too, and just say, you know what? Send me back the young. Like you're going to start all these guys in the flex. Send me back a DJ Chark, a younger, you know, a younger guy like that. Throw throw me as many picks as you can. I'm going to need a couple first round picks. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's still Devin Cook, right? He's still a beast. You're not going to give him away. Yeah. So I need a couple more, a couple first round picks. You get Cook and you get Tonian. Uh, you know, send me back multiple picks. Send me back Chark. You know, maybe Devin Singletary. You know, it's like maybe these guys that just get, Irv Smith Jr. I would talk to Irv Smith Jr. as a younger player. You know, and and. You have Robert Tonyan. You don't need Irv Smith Jr. Your flexes are going to be amazing. And see if you can get that guy so that you get the talent in Irv Smith, a second-round pick out of Alabama that, you know, when Adam Thielen is 31 years old, maybe he does become the second target. You know what I mean? You got a mm-hmm. posture for the future. So that's a, I mean, that's the direction I would go. Uh, what sucks is that I, I this is how deep I looked into this. I would say go for Michael Pittman, but I don't know the rules for this league. Our guy – um, he has Michael Pittman on his team, Mike, so yeah, yeah, I don't think you can have two copies. Most okay. players, most leagues, don't let you do that. Right. So I was like, you know, I'm like, yeah, we want Pittman, but yeah, you can't do a double copy. So yeah, you know, I, I really fleshed out this trade offer. So I mean, hey, you can't say that I didn't get deep into this, Mister. No, R. you did your homework. I give you credit on that, and I think you brought up a couple different options in that trade, even or just scenarios you could look at or players you might want to target, and that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of pivot into mine and, and mine was a different angle on this and only because I'm, I, I'm one of those people that I, I, you have to really convince me I'm not a contender in almost every league because even unless I just took over an orphan or even a second year, like this guy, I am almost always thinking I've got a chance. Right. And, and I talked about this last week when, when uh, Nick Whalen was on is like, really a contender is a top four team. You don't have to be the dominant league, the dominant team. You can be top four and a couple injuries break the right way. And all of a sudden you're crushing it at the end of the year. Right. It's still August. It's still early. Everybody's zero and zero. So my logic was, all right, if you're, if I'm looking at this team and I'm like, all right, you only have to start one running back, which is Dalvin cook. Right. That's a clear, obvious one there. The rest of his running backs are even with James Robinson being a new value. I still look at those guys like, well, you've probably got two or three that you could start on a weekly basis. That's not bad. And cook might be injured or take a week off because of a longer season. I'm still trying to get another running back on this team. I just think that that is the weakest group to me. And I think that's where you can make the most headway. Uh, running backs, I think, are criminally undervalued in a lot of leagues. And the one that I'm targeting in my trade is in that same kind of. Well, I, let me put it this way. One that I was trying to find was in that same kind of vein. But then I got to look at it and I was like, you know what, these receivers, you've got Diggs and Lamb when he comes back. But after that, that's kind of weak. And really with a five flex, 
I might actually look for a receiver more. And so like both the running back and the receiver groups have question marks. So what I decided to do is not blowing it up, but really kind of leaning in a little bit to see if I could get a little bit better and maybe become a contender. So my trade was let's send Noah Fant, who I am personally kind of down on with the Bridgewater news or not. I'm just not sold on Fant. I just, I'm, I don't know about him. Uh, and LaVisca Chenault, who's got a lot of hype value right now, right? A lot of people love LaVisca. And you trade that to a team that's called Cheat Code, and you get back Chris Godwin and Zach Ertz. Now, I know Ertz is not pretty, and people don't like Ertz, and you don't want to have – I, I think he's still got some value as a flyer or a light, like a throw-in like this. But Godwin on this team, I think, makes it much better than having LaVisca. That's an upgrade. Yes, it is 1.5 tight end premium, but you've got Tanyan and Hunter Henry to kind of help balance your, your tight end room out. I don't think you're going to miss Fant as much. And it does help you, in my opinion, getting Godwin, who I think is going to be a better player this year than Fant will be. I think it makes your team a little lean for the future, right? You're trading away a stud tight end and a young receiver. But the other team that's got Godwin and Ertz is probably looking to get younger. So they might actually accept this, even though it's a little bit leaning toward the Godwin side in value. So that was kind of where my head went and and where my thoughts were going. Is like, well, let's target a running back. And I'm like, you really, you only have to start one. It is PPR. It is super flex. It's tight end premium. Maybe you can get a downgraded tight end and an upgraded receiver and be totally fine. So I, what are your thoughts on that? When I was, you know, trading away fan, what are your thoughts? I do. I love that. Cause I mean, dude, fan, we talk about the, the top three target thing, right? I mean, yep. I have Sutton and Judy as my top two targets on the team. I, mean, I think everybody does. Yeah, I'm not sure Fant is a top five tight end, right? That's what we were talking about before. Like, I don't know if – and this is kind of an ultimately value-based argument that we kind of get into, but, like, can Fant go up from where his value is? I don't know, right? Like, and I'm not saying that's a bad player, but he might be descending from here on out, and I went out before that's the case. I just – I don't see him rising much more than tight end six, think, seven-ish. I think he's going to – I think I think it's going to be a wave, my man. I think yeah. that what's going to happen is – Sutton this during the Sutton and Judy era because he's only 23. Right, so you right. have the Sutton and Judy era here, and then eventually you can't afford both of them, and then the Fant window opens, right? At some point. And that's yeah. the beauty of this this three copy league is that in a normal league, like in I run into this on Reddit all the time, where like Reddit, they think a lot, they overthink things, and they're like, <laughs> I'll trade this guy away and then I'll trade back for him. It's like, dude, once you sell somebody on somebody, they're not trading them back to you. Oh, I've, I've had that same problem in so many leagues where I trade like, two years ago. I think I traded somebody Cooper Cup and then like a month later, I went to try to get him back. And he's like, you said he was crap. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just said I had this other guy valued more. And it just exactly. becomes a really hard thing because then they think you're trying to pull one over on him. I'm wrong exactly. And the vice versa is hard, even harder because when you yeah. sell them on Fant, you're like, oh, Fant's going to be good later. Then now they can't. You know, it's like they don't want to come back. But in a three copy league, there are three fans. So exactly. you don't have to get your own Fant back. You can get a different Fant. So I say trade fan now. I'm all for it. And this is beautiful right here because uh, our guy Joshua is now getting the, the old doctor's second opinion, right? Because I'm, he's like, Oh, I'm hurting. I need help. I'm saying you're dead and you should, you know what I mean? You should (laughs) blow it up. Yeah. Blow it up. But now you're getting a second opinion, you know, from the other Andrew in the room of, you know what, you might be alive. And the more you say it, the more I look at the flexes and the way you can fill the flexes with a guy like Godwin or, you know, and you I mean, got Darnell Mooney, right? He could yeah. be a guy. Mike Williams could be a guy like he's got uh, players on this team. James Robinson is now a wide receiver running back too, right? Like and most people think so. So and not even that. I think that a lot of times uh, those big blow up trades are really tough to pull off in August. Right. And so if we're talking about timing again, blowing up a team in August is probably the worst time to do that. 
because you're not really getting full value for your players. Everybody thinks their team is contending, or for the most part. So you're not really going to, you're, yes, there is some logic. And we talked about this with the Trades HQ team. You know, you have 11 other partners in this league, 35 other partners at this point. You may not have as many if you wait till week four. You might lose some people that say, now nah, I'm done. I don't want to bother or I'll just kind of bunker down and take my injuries and go home. So I think with this 36 team league, it gives you some more flexibility. I agree. But at the same time, you don't have to move these guys. You don't know if you're contending or not. There's a whole bunch of teams in this league. You don't have to be super stellar. You just have to get lucky. And so I think that I would kind of play it that direction. And it's easier to make smaller trades now than bigger trades. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Right. And if so, you go, if you go, if you go in, like Andrew's saying, like to go for it and try and keep winning, you know, try and keep winning, you have three first round picks to trade mid season. Exactly. So, yeah, know, or not even just hold on to those and see if you can go, even if you finish middle of the pack with your own pick, you got two others. Like you're not, and you can move some stuff. This is obviously an active league. Right. I mean, that's something else I think we always kind of say in that context matters. Right. Your league does matter. Not every league is going to have this. So don't take all of this guidance like that. But I feel like we we don't really talk a lot about these monster copy leagues. I'm only in one myself and it is a ton of fun, but it is also a ton of work to try to keep up with everything. So there you go, Joshua. There's a couple options for you. I think we gave you some good ideas or at least some good seeds to maybe get that going. Uh, if you listen to this and, and you end up pulling off a trade or you come up with something that works that we haven't thought of, Hit us up on Twitter at Dynasty Junkies. Let us know what you think. Hit Andrew Cooper up uh, at Coupe Fiasco. Hit myself up at Andrew Hall FF. Uh, definitely, I, I know we talked about it a little bit already, Coop, but you mentioned where the people can find you. You mentioned, I just mentioned your Twitter handle. Is there anything else you got going on? Any articles you're writing right now that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, I got, I got a nice setup where I can write what, I, you know, I always do my TED end series. I do stuff for the draft guide, but I, you know, if you want all my articles from this off, off season, get the fantasy alarm draft guide. It's like 20 bucks and it's a living draft guide. Everything's in there. Um, you know, uh, if you want to see me, I do fantasy besties live on Monday, fantasy besties, uh, fan, uh, lightning round live on Wednesdays. And then I do a pre-recorded podcast for fantasy alarm that comes out on Fridays on Spotify, uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find your pods. So check that stuff out, man. But, you know, Andrew, I just want to say, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, you know, build me up for the tight ends and put me on for the tight end show because they, they, it really is my favorite. You know, I got passion. If you looked at my screen, man, I did not have a single stat on my screen. I got this stuff burned right up in here. No, I know. And that's why I was like, you're the easiest one for tight ends. Like we were trying to think of people we could have on for the show. And I was like, oh, God, come on, Coop. He, yeah, I know you. I was on your podcast. This is an easy one. And you know tight ends backwards and forwards. So it just makes it easy. I, I loved it. I mean, we're at an hour and a half. Didn't even feel like it. Right. That was a terrific is conversation. It? Oh my God, yeah. it is. Wow, yeah. that's flies crazy, by. Bro. You so, if, we had, if we had three of us, and we would have been on for three hours. Bro. Would have been so much more information too. That's all right. Scott can join in the next one. That's not a problem. But before we go, I do want to say again, thank you so much for coming on, Coop. I really appreciate it. I know again, people can find you online. We always have good debates, and it's always good talking with you on the Twitter machine. I'm sure Reddit's a whole different beast. I'm not on there anymore. It just wasn't worth it. But Appreciate your work, and I'm really glad that we were able to have you on. So before we sign off, let me get rid of all this stuff. we got Dynasty Junkies at Dynasty Junkies on Twitter. Definitely follow us on there. Uh, we're always looking for stuff to, uh, you know, new trades, new new leagues. If you have a Find Me a Trade that you want to submit, shoot us a DM. Uh, you can shoot it to me at, at Andrew Hall FF or the Dynasty Junkies handle. Uh, also, make sure that you subscribe and follow to our podcast on all the, the main platforms out there. Uh, definitely follow the at Dynasty FF Addict, which is Rocky's handle, and at Scott underscore Sidlow, who couldn't make it tonight. Uh, the two other hosts of this uh, fine podcast, Scott and Rocky. So they're, they're going to be on next week, I think. Uh, and then definitely subscribe to the DAP Network, the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. 
Uh, and I know that there's a lot of different things coming out, Trade Addicts Pod, things like that, Get Real, obviously the Timeline Crew. So we're always here to make your lives better, make your lives fun. Let's go have a good time in Dynasty. And I do want to say again, last but not least, it's been a fun week. Let's go have a fun preseason. Junkies out. <laughs>